right. That was a good one. Hey, we're back. Uh, episode, we're going to call it eight, eight of uh, whatever we're calling this podcast. No, it's Brad and Ed Brad go to war. Go to war. Uh, how was your week? Oh, long. Yeah, mine was too. Mine was exhausting. Absolutely. But you know what? Nothing wraps up a good week. Like the war? And a good podcast. Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, stoke up the fire, people. We're going to sit around. We're going to have yeah, a Put on your slippers. Light put your on pipe. your slippers. Light a pipe. Yeah. If you're a pipe smoker. Yeah. Your corn cob pipe. Like uh, oh, like my father. Oh, a man last who has grown on me more than I ever thought. What was the uh, documentary about him? American Caesar. Caesar. Oh, I have the book so American good. Caesar, but it's so thick. I'm just like, I don't need to read that. It's quite a thing. I just love the name. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a little story tonight about two gentlemen. All right. Yeah. Uh, this is very personal. This won't be a lot of podcast night, people. So, okay. you know, if you guys... It's, it's personal? Uh, no. Uh, no, two individuals. Oh, two oh, sorry. individual okay. people. Two personal stories. Okay. Uh, tied together uh, in a very unique way, but um, very different. Okay. So, we're going to profile two priests. Mmm. Yes. Catholic okay. priests. Uh, one, I'm not going to focus on very much because it's disturbing. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. The other one I will focus on because it's a very unique story. So okay. the first one we'll get the evil over first. Okay. The evil yes. and the good. Father Andres Kuhn. Okay. Uh, a Hungarian priest mm-hmm. from Budapest. Uh, he was ordained, I believe, in the early 30s. He was so kind of a monk. new priest. Yeah, a relatively new priest. He was a monk. There wasn't a lot of literature about him prior to... He lived in Budapest throughout the war. And, of course, Budapest, or Hungary, was a was allied with the uh, with the Nazis. It's always hard to say war. it's allied with the Nazis, because... It's an Axis. Yeah, yeah. It's an Axis It was Axis with It was Axis with them, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Allied in the small yeah. small, the, small A. Small A. Allied, allied, yeah. Allied, yeah. Uh, so, Father Kuhn... And it's not certain if he was uh, defrocked. Is that the term I'm using? I think so. Yeah. I'm not, it's not certain if he was defrocked during the war. If you he mean was, he had his frock removed. Yes. Like yeah. the Catholic yes. uh, faith, like sort of. Yeah, I think defrocked. You can't practice this anymore. You can't practice God anymore. Yeah, you can't yeah. be God's messenger yeah. anymore. But there, uh, he definitely, in the photos I've seen, he definitely dressed as a priest. He definitely had a frock on. Yeah. Uh, while he was doing some pretty horrible things. So by October of 1944, um, the Soviets are on the door. Yeah. Uh, Hungary had a variety of different um, nationalist socialist movements within it. Yeah. Um, and so the most common one linked directly to Nazis was the Hungarian Nas- Nazi Party, the Hungarian National Socialist Party. But there was a group within uh, Hungary during the Second World War and certainly during the 40s Maybe even worse than the Nazis. The Arrow Cross. Oh, yes. The Arrow Cross. Uh, they're evil. They're pure evil. They're, like, worse than Nazis. Uh, they're definitely built on the same sort of premise of, uh, you know, the sort of anti-Semitic was a cornerstone of it and sort of the, you know, epitome of the Aryan person. Uh, Father Kuhn uh, hooks up with them. Mm. So he becomes a 
leader of a Arrow Cross uh, Death Squad. Anything called a Death Squad is not good. Is not yeah. good. That's not going to cement you well in yeah. history. Yeah. So Father Coon. Now, why he went in this down this road? There's a few different linkages to this. I heard a story once. I heard a story uh, as he's looking into this of a uh, Jewish man who remembers him and remembers him uh, coming to the Jewish ghettos in uh, Budapest in the early 1940s, 43, early 43, and trying to convert Jews to Catholicism. Uh, this was his like sort of mission. And they, were, they definitely looked at, I think a lot of Jews were looking at this, this might be their escape valve from the camps. Yeah. Because interestingly enough, the Hungarian president at the time was actually keeping a lot of the Hungarian Jews from being deported. Is this Gumbush? Yeah, uh, he was an admiral. Oh, Admiral Horthy. Horthy, yes. yes. He was actually working, like, apparently he's a very complicated character yeah, he, in Hungarian he, Well, history. first of all, he's an admiral in a landlocked country. Yes, well, which... he was an admiral from the old <laughs> yeah. Austro-Hungarian yeah. Navy. But yes, then he became a landlocked admiral. I think he's known by the title of admiral. Yeah. Even long you'd think you'd just change it to general. general. It's like just once you lost your, right your access your whole to the fleet. sea. Yeah. I have no fleets like... anymore. Uh, so they did actually work in keeping a lot of the Jews from being deported. Um, but, uh, by October of 44, this was pretty much gone. Um, and the Arrow Cross, uh, rose in its prominence. It didn't really have a lot of governance role. That was mainly the Nazi so, party. I mean, not to get into, I had thought that, that Horthy had been quite sort of opposed to the Arrow Cross and had done his best to keep it out of power. He was. And it's like, as things started deteriorating, he the, lost his grip. He lost and, his grip, yeah. and the Arrow Cross came up yeah. into power. This is about this stage in the fall of 44. Yeah. And this is the time. So, uh, Father Andres Kuhn was, you know, definitely working uh, to try and convert Jews to Catholicism. But by October 44, he is now leading an Arrow Cross death squad. He has been um, accurately linked to the death of 500 Jews. Uh, he, uh, in some cases, led the torture uh, prior to their killing for no reason other than to torture them. Yeah. Because you're looking for yeah, what know, information you, yeah, yeah. from them. You're just... Yeah. Uh, he, his squad uh, went into a Jewish hospital in the ghetto and uh, executed uh, Jewish patients there, uh, tortured the medical staff. There's some pretty horrendous stories yeah, yeah, about this yeah. man. Um, he, but you get a sense of, and so there's two quotes that I'm going to pull tonight between these two gentlemen. And uh, the quote that often it resonates about uh, Father Kuhn was, uh, when he would order his death squads to fire, almost like an execution, like a firing squad, he would say, in the name of Christ, fire. So he was interviewed after the war, uh, very shortly after the war, and I'll get to why okay, very yeah, shortly yeah. after the war. He didn't live much longer. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. And uh, he was interviewed about this because he was notorious, apparently. His brutality was notorious. And he was a bit notorious, too, because of the sort of jib that he cut walking around Budapest. He wore his frock. Mm -hmm. He wore his collar. He wore an arrow cross armband and a pistol Ugh. as he led his squads around. It's a disturbing scene. You see this. I invite our listeners to go and Google him and get a picture of him and see him. Uh, and you can see the evilness. Like, yeah. He sort of resonates evil. He, um, 
after the war was interviewed uh, about why he was doing this, and he, of course, like every Nazi or, or national uh, white nationalist after the war, they all had like they were all remorseful. They all had reasons why this was going on uh, that they could explain, but fundamentally you can't explain. And uh, but it was definitely linked to sort of this you know, virulent anti-Semitism, either resonating through his corruption of the Catholic faith or the threat that he thought uh, Judaism represented through Bolshevism. Right. Or Bolshevism's yeah. threat yeah. To, to Catholicism and the linkage to... And, to, and the two were... One and the, the two were so linked in his mind. Yeah. So, you know, by you know eradicating the Jews of Hungary, I eradicate Bolshevism and save Catholicism. Uh, captured by the Soviets, captured by the Hungarian People's Movement, uh, quickly put on trial and executed shortly after the war. Uh, so this is one gentleman. Uh, so one Catholic priest. I have another Catholic priest, though, I'd like yeah. to talk about. A Father Hugh O'Flaherty. Uh, ah. Yeah, from Jamaica. I was going to say Spanish, but yeah. yeah, you beat me to it. Yeah, yeah. no. Uh, yeah. From County Cork, Ireland. Yeah. Um, uh, seminaried in Rome, I think, but didn't, uh, never went on to, uh, not practice, but lead a diocese, like, lead, yeah. you know, preach. He actually became a diplomat in the Holy See and spent his Ooh, time. papal diplomat. That's how Papal yeah, diplomat, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's a priest, obviously, obviously a priest, but a, uh, spent his entire, the bulk of his, um, career as a, as a priest, as a diplomat for the Vatican. Uh, which included during the Second World War. Yeah. So early in the war, when uh, Italy was small a allied yeah. in the Axis powers, yes, and uh, allied prisoners were in prisoner of war camps in uh, in in Italy. He would often go visit these prisoner of war camps. Now, when I first read that, I thought that was like I was some sort of you know Catholic um, sense of duty or something yeah, yeah, but yeah. i think it may have actually had more to do with his role as a diplomat and that the holy see and the um irish embassy were the only two embassies still functioning in rome at that time oh, really? and so they were probably be being missioned through yeah, the red okay. cross yeah yeah so he would go and visit these uh allied prisoner of war camps to see how the men were doing and he would get uh you know messages out for them to their families if they wanted and things like this this becomes important in September of 43 when the Allies land in Italy. Yeah. In Italy, Mussolini is, is thrown out, and the Italians essentially switch sides. Yeah. Um, all of these prisoner war camps, before the Germans can map them up, the Italians just basically open up the gates and just let yeah. these guys walk out. So now all of a sudden, all these guys flock to Rome because they don't really have anywhere else to go. And they remember Father O'Flaherty, and they go and seek his protection in the Vatican. And uh, they can't really get them right into the Vatican grounds. Some they did. Some they got in and gave them um, uh, diplomatic protections. Um, but now... Little Father, Julian Assange's. Some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except, yeah. you know, reputable. <laughs> except allied prisoners of war. But what Father O'Flaherty ends up doing uh, in this time from about se September of 43 onwards is running this sort of network... Uh, that he leverages uh, this network of uh, allied prisoners who live in Rome 
who run these sort of underground uh, networks to not just uh, get allied prisoners uh, out of the clutches of the Germans, but also Jews. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So to try and protect these people, because at this time now, uh, the uh, the Nazis have taken over most yeah, of Italy. Yeah, yeah the solid republic. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, just locked down. And are now starting a program of rounding up Jews yeah. in Italy. So Father O'Flaherty's team uh, was, uh, he had two other priests, uh, New Zealand priests, incidentally, mm. uh, a couple of British prisoners of war, former prisoners of war, a Canadian former prisoner of war, and uh, as well as, uh, I think, a Swiss count. Sure, yeah, why, why not? not? Yeah. Um, and uh, leveraging these individuals to sort of run this underground network. He would have uh, Jewish refugees and prisoners of war in throughout the countryside and families that he knew throughout Rome and various safe houses. Uh, he would be able, he would coordinate. And it was a big underground network. So he's, yeah. you know, he's running, he's running um, like the food rationing system that was in place in Rome at the time. He's running uh, false documents for that. He's getting food to them. He's moving people around. He's giving them false identity papers if they need it. Um, so what's he doing with these people? Is he getting them out of Italy? So or he's just he sort of protecting them. Alive? Them. Keeping yeah. them alive. Okay. Yeah. No. So it wasn't going so far. Some he could get into the embassy grounds in the Vatican. Right. So if you could sneak him past the Swiss guards. Yeah. You're, well, you're no. Good. Swiss guards weren't the problem. It was the Nazi guards on uh, the other side the other of the side, line. Right, yeah. Swiss okay. guards are more than willing to did let them Did the Solar Republic come all the way down? I did. Well, no, because it was just all yeah. occupied by yeah. the Nazis. Okay, it was just yeah. occupied by the Germans. So, yeah, it wasn't so much the Italian uh, uh, fascist republic mm. as it was just the Germans. Okay. Just the Nazis. Um, so, rumor gets out that this is happening. So, Rome is under the SS control of a uh, SS officer called Herbert Kepler. Kapler, Kapler, Herbert sure. Kapler, that's yeah. his name. And uh, he gets word that, you know, all these, he's busy trying to round up uh, partisan fighters, round up Jews, uh, allied prisoners of war. And he gets word that he can't get them. He knows they're out there. He can't get them uh, because they're being secretly uh, taken care of and funneled around the city and moved at different times. As soon as you find a safe house, yeah. he moves the safe oh, house. Oh, so this is a sophisticated operation. Oh, it's a very yeah. sophisticated operation that he's running. Um, and it's being done by a Vatican priest. Yeah. He, and Kepler finds this out. So be, And he finds out who it is, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so he does get Father O'Flaherty's name. O'Flaherty, so the SS uh, corner him in a diplomatic uh, there's like some ball or something or like, a, you know, yeah, one yeah, of these yeah. things, That's, you know, yeah. you know, a dinner, a formal dinner. I think yeah. it was actually at the Swiss em, uh, embassy and With uh, the count. Kepler corners Flaherty, O'Flaherty and says, if I find you outside, he painted a line around the Vatican, a white line. And he ordered German troops that if Father O'Flaherty, they could see him step over that line, they were to shoot him on sight. Um, Lieutenants of Kepler's SS forces were getting ready for the torture of uh, Father O'Flaherty yeah. when they caught him. Uh, he was in a lot of a lot of uh, risk. Yeah, and yet he frequently would sneak out of the Vatican and in disguise yeah. as a peasant to go and help coordinate and run his movements. He attained the nickname the Scarlet Pimpernel of the Vatican. For his efforts and all his yeah. costumes that he would yeah. wear and sneak around under the under the uh, right under the noses of the Nazis, 
a very successful operation. In total, he the total number of allied uh, prisoners of war that he shepherded and protected was around 3,500. That's amazing. The number of Jews was upwards of 6,000. That That's 10,000 people right there, roughly. Uh, that he, in, yeah. at least the 6,000, he saved their lives. Yeah. The 3,500 allied prisoners of war, whether he saved their lives yeah. or not, hard to say, but he definitely got them protected until... He improved their lives. One way or until the June yeah. of 44, when, yeah. of course, the allies liberated Rome. Yeah. And then this network... You know, is no longer required. That's ridiculous that it took until June of June 44. Of 44 yeah. yeah. Uh, so Father O'Flaherty. So I said, um, you know, we have two men, both priests, yeah. uh, doing different things. As I said, we have two statements that they would utter. Um, uh, Father um, Father Kuhn would be, in the name of Christ, fire before you yeah. execute people. Father O'Flaherty, uh, and this uh, sort of leads to... His statement after the Allies liberated Rome, he would actually go out as well and and renew his function, either as a Catholic priest or as a um, diplomat, and visit German prisoners of war oh, okay. once they yeah. were captured to to ensure they they were well treated by the Allies yeah. and they were well treated by the Italians as well. Um, and he is quoted as saying, "God has no country." So he didn't see this as sort of a duty to the English-speaking world. Never been to God's country, Alberta. <laughs> Alberta. He's never. He never saw this as like a, a duty as a um, like as an English-speaking yeah. member of like an Anglo-Saxon or Irish. Uh, <laughs> I don't Ireland think. I don't think they'd like being called Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, no. Yes. But like as yeah. a like as a as an Irish uh, person. Because uh, Ireland was, of course, neutral. The yeah. public was neutral during the war. And they had some pretty legitimate grudges against oh, yeah. the Allies. against the British yeah. or against the yeah. Allies. He saw this, yeah, just as an extension of, of what was right, especially yeah. with regards to the Jewish refugees. Um, uh, so, again, I invite people to Google Father O'Flaherty because you, as much as uh, Father Kuhn does look like the epitome of evil, Father O'Flaherty looks like the epitome of sort of the fun boozy irish oh really okay yeah 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 yeah. you look like he could be boxing you know yeah uh he's a rather uh charming looking individual uh father o'clarity yeah Yeah, we lived into the 1960s i I like it when these guys uh uh, passed away uh in the 1960s yeah so there we go all right uh, snippets Movie was made about Father O'Flaherty. Oh, was it? I was just going to say, this guy, uh, as yeah. I say about all your stories, this guy needs a movie. Yeah, he did have a movie. He was uh, very amicably uh, played in the role by Gregory Peck. Gregory, if you get Gregory Peck playing you. Up. Oh, yeah. Lord. And uh, the SS commander of the, of the Rome uh, SS yeah. secret police, uh, Kepler, played by Christopher Plummer. That's a... It's a good movie. It's called The Scarlet and the Black. I invite everyone to have check it out. Have you seen it? it? I have seen it. It's actually fairly accurate as well. Ah. Yeah. The uh, It does uh, definitely in, indicate to the, the Catholic... Um, so, I mean, obviously, Flaherty couldn't run this network without the Pope knowing something was yeah. going on. And uh, and the Pope... Uh, I, You know, I'll give the Pope... Um, credit in this instance. It's tough giving the Pope credit during, yeah, you know, the, yeah, during the yeah, Second World yeah. War, for sure. He sort of, I wouldn't say turned a blind eye, but you know, acknowledged O'Flaherty's uh, efforts and just said, listen, be careful. Like, I can't sanction yeah. this or, you know, the diplomatic, you know, because you look at the Holy See as its own independent yeah. state. The neutrality of the Holy See is at stake here. 
I can't, as the you know, head of this government, uh, sanction your efforts or you know be seen to be yeah. coordinating it. But I'm not going to tell you to stop it either. So uh, that's a spicy meat. <laughs> that's a spicy. Was he Italian? Oh yeah, they're all they were all the Italian. pope at that time. I think I think all popes were. Well, I mean, there were good interventions, but mostly they were Italian. Right. So because it was a huge deal when John Paul II uh, was Polish. Polish pope. Yeah, 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 that was a that was a big deal in part because the yeah, well, obviously the, the Cold War. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The world could the world could know about popes. Anyway, yeah. um, so pope. this is uh, this is my story for the night. Uh, two priests, two Pope Adrian the Sixth, the only English pope. Uh, all right, yeah, there you go. You're bound to determine yeah. to get this in. Good night, everybody. Good night.